Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This will be for Exodus chapter 4. Verse 1, And Moses answered and said, Behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. To such doubts, whether on the part of Israel, of Pharaoh, or of the Egyptians, a threefold symbolical reply was now furnished, and that not only to silence those who might so object, but also for the encouragement of Moses himself. This reply involved the bestowal of power upon Moses to work miracles. We note that here, for the first time in Old Testament history, this power was bestowed upon man, and that the occasion was the first great conflict between the world and the church. These miracles were intended to be like a voice from heaven, bearing direct testimony to the truth of Moses' commission. So we read in Exodus 4.8 of Israel hearkening unto and believing the voice of the signs, and in Psalms 105.27, that Moses and Aaron showed the words of his signs among them. But while this was the general purpose of the three signs now displayed, first to Moses himself, each had its had also its special reference, the first to Pharaoh, the second to Israel, and the third to the might of Egypt. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. In the first sign, Moses was bidden to look at the rod in his hand. It was but an ordinary shepherd's staff. At God's command, he was to cast it on the ground, when presently it was changed into a serpent, from which Moses fled in terror. Again, God commands, and as Moses seized the serpent by the tail, it once more became a rod in his hand. The meaning of this was that was plain. Hitherto Moses had wielded the shepherd's crook. At God's command, he he was to cast it away. His calling was to be changed, and he would have to meet the serpent, not only the old enemy, but the might of Pharaoh, of which the serpent was the public and well-known Egyptian emblem. The serpent was the symbol of royal and divine power on the diadem of every Pharaoh, the emblem of the land, of its religion and government. At God's command, Moses next seized the serpent. When it became once more in his hand, the staff with which he led his flock, only that now the flock was Israel, and the shepherd's staff the wonder-working rod of God. In short, the humble shepherd, who would have fled from Pharaoh, should through divine strength overcome all the might of Egypt. That was by Edersheim. Isn't that cool that the the, the, the symbolism here, um, that the staff uh, represents the, now the, the rod of God through the miracle that he did here. Verse 6, And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again to his as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. 
The second sign shown to Moses bore direct reference to Israel. The hand which Moses was directed to put in his bosom became became covered with leprosy, but the same hand, when a second time he thrust it, thrust it in, was restored whole. This miraculous power of inflicting and removing a plague, universally admitted to come from God, showed that Moses could inflict and remove the se- severest judgments of God. But it spoke yet other words to the people Israel, of whom the Lord had said unto Moses, Carry them in thy bosom, With was, a, was the leprous hand, but as surely as it, and, and as surely as and as readily as it was restored when thrust in again Moses's, into Moses' bosom, so, so would God bring them forth from the misery and desolateness of their state in Israel or in Egypt and restore them to their own land. Verse 9, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. The third sign given by Moses in which the water from the Nile when poured upon the ground was to become blood would not only carry conviction to Israel but bore special reference to the land of Egypt. The Nile on which its whole fruitfulness depended and which the Egyptians worshipped as divine was to be changed into blood. Egypt and its gods were to be brought low before the absolute power which God would manifest. Verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Kind of like what I'm doing, huh? Moses may have had a speech impediment. Some scholars believe that that he was reluctant because he didn't have command of both the Hebrew and Egyptian languages. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even as shall, he shall be even, oh man, let me start over. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto the, to my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. These signs, which could not be gainsaid, were surely sufficient, and yet Moses hesitated. Was he indeed the proper agent for such a work? He possessed not the eloquence whose fire kindles a nation's enthusiasm and whose force sweeps before it all obstacles. And when this objection also was answered by pointing him to the next or to the need of direct dependence on him who could unloose the tongue and open eyes and ears, the secret reluctance of Moses broke forth in the direct request to employ some someone else on such a mission. Then it was that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, yet in his tender mercy he pitied and helped the weakness of his servant servant's faith. For this twofold purpose God announced that even then Aaron was on his way to join him, and that he would undertake the part of the 
for, of the work for which Moses felt himself unfit. Aaron would be alike the companion and, so to speak, the prophet of Moses. As the prophet delivers the word which he receives, so would Aaron declare the divine message committed to Moses. Verse 19, And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. And I will prosper thee, and Pharaoh will harden his heart, that he will not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, and I, will, and I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me, and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass that the Lord appeared unto him, as he was in the way by the inn, the Lord was angry with Moses, and his hand was about to fall upon him, to kill him, and for, and for, he, for he had not circumcised his son. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone, and circumcised her son, and cast the stone at his feet, and said, Surely thou art a bloody husband to me. And the Lord appeared, and the Lord spared Moses, and let him go, because Zipporah his wife circumcised the child. And she said, Thou art a bloody husband. And Moses was ashamed, and hid his face from the Lord, and said, I have sinned before the Lord. Notice all these changes that are made here in the Joseph Smith translation. It makes it a little bit easier to read. And yet he who was to declare to Israel the heir to this precious legacy was himself at the time living in neglect of the sign of that very covenant. His own second son had not been circumcised according to the divine commandment, whether from neglect owing to faith discouraged or more probably as we gather from the subsequent conduct of Zipporah on account of his wife's opposition, which in his depressed circumstances he could not overcome. But judgment must begin at the, at the house of God, and no one is fit to be employed as an instrument for God who, is, who in any way lives in neglect of his, of his commandments. God met him, God met even his chosen servant Moses as an enemy. His life was in imminent danger, and Zipporah had to submit, however reluctantly, to the ordinance of God. But her mood and manner showed that, as yet, she was not prepared to be Moses' helpmate in the work before him. He seems to have understood this and to have sent her and the children back to his father-in-law. Only at a later period, when he had heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, did Jethro himself bring them again to Moses. Verse 27, And the Lord said unto Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God, in the mount of where God appeared unto him, and Aaron kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him, and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the church of, of all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people and, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their affliction. When they bowed their heads and worshipped, <clears throat> thus purged from the leaven of sin, Moses 
continued his journey. Once more, God had anticipated his servant's difficulties. We might almost say the fulfillment of his own promises. Already he had, he had directed Aaron to go into the wilderness to meet Moses. At the Mount of God, the two brothers met, and Aaron willingly joined the divine mission of Moses. Arrived in Egypt, they soon gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. At hearing of the gracious tidings which Aaron announced, and at sight of the signs with which he attested them, it is said they bowed their heads and worshipped. Then God had not forsaken his people whom he foreknew. So then, not Moses' not Moses's unbelieving fears, but God's gracious promise, had in this respect also been amply realized. Neither their long stay in Egypt nor their bondage had extinguished their faith in the God of their fathers, or their hope of deliverance. However, grievously they might afterwards err and sin, the tidings that Jehovah had visited his people came not upon them as strange or incredible. More than that, their faith was mingled with humiliation and worship. And again, that was by Edersheim. I bear testimony of the truth of these things, and say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.